pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness lord on glad that we serve a faithful God. Amen. You know, the deists believe that God was this eminent being that wound up a clock and threw it out there and let it just unwind itself. We don't have a God that threw the clock out there and let it unwind itself. We have a God who takes care of us on a daily basis, and he provides not only salvation, but the strength and the faithfulness to be with us each and every day. I am so glad for the God we serve. He is faithful. And as we read this morning in the uh, verse in Psalm 86, 3 through 5, about God's mercy, God's grace, and God's patience. Are we glad for all those things that sustains us and keeps us going? We've got a lot of visitors out here tonight. I'm just glad that you're here with us, and we trust that tonight the service has already been a blessing to you. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the time that God takes us home, but... Until he does, we need to occupy until he comes. And we have a missionary tonight that has chosen the occupation, which we all have been given, and that is to help people come to Christ. And God's faithfulness is not just here to America, but it's all over the world. And as we have soldiers in Korea and other places in the world, there are missionaries that are ministering to our soldiers. And so tonight the Brown family will be uh, sharing with us their burden and their ministry uh, to the soldiers in Korea. I'm a missionary. I'm not colorblind, so I'm good. <clears throat> anyway, we are the Brown family. We are missionaries to the U.S. soldiers in Case, Camp Casey, Korea. That is 12 miles from the border of North Korea. I didn't get to measure anything out 12 miles from here, but it's very close. Uh, I used to say I could throw a rock, but I was like, man, that's, that's 12 miles is far away to throw a rock. But basically, it's just a, a, a mountain ridge over uh, where Camp Casey is. That's where the border is at. 
Uh, we are going to uh, be starting a church, planting a church there. Again, my name is Donnie Brown. My wife is Christy. She's in the back. And then my son, my, Micaiah. Hi, buddy. And then Haley, she has Brayson. And then Allison. And again, we are the Brown family. We are uh, asking to partner with you to spread the gospel to the soldiers and the other souls in Korea. Uh, we have to be careful when we, when we pick a field in missions, for example, for military missions, to say, you know what, we're going to go reach the military. But Camp Casey, there's 6,000 soldiers that rotate once a year out of that area. But the city outside there has 70,000 souls that are Korean. Why should a Korean soul be valued any less than an American soul? We're going to go and reach every soul we can with the gospel. Our focus is the military missions. I was in the military from 1995 to 2000. And uh, let me ask this. Has anybody ever served in the military in here? Anybody ever served? Thank you for your service. We appreciate your, your sacrifice you've given for our freedom. Any of you ever been to Camp Casey, Korea? I asked this in Sunday school class and one person rose their hand. You have? Flew through there. Okay. Did you spend time there? That's that's the exact that's the exact response you get from most people. I had a young lady in one of the classes and she was in the Air Force. She visited Camp Casey. I asked her, What did you think about it? She said there's nothing to do. There's not. All there is is trouble there, problems there. There's bars, there's liquor, there's things to do there, there's partying. But all that is not to the is to the detriment of the soldier, not to help the soldier. Out of the seventy thousand folks there in, in the, the city by there, there's no church reaching them. It's pretty interesting. When you hear about Korea, you hear about these small churches and these home churches. That's not happening by Camp Casey, Korea. Because Satan's got his grip there. There was a missionary that was sent there before, and he left to go to a, a city down south. And he said, it's just too hard. Well, let me ask you something. Is anything in life worth fighting for hard? Everything in life worth fighting for is hard. Folks, these, these soldiers need the gospel. They need a place away from home. Uh, Camp Casey, Korea, again, I said it's 12 miles from the border. The biggest con contribution that we can give there is, one, reaching, reaching the soldiers, evangelizing. The second thing is counseling. Our soldiers come back from Afghanistan. That, the, the statistics for PTSD right now is if, if, a, if a soldier does two tours to Afghanistan or Iraq, there's there's 70% chance that they will have PTSD. Most of these soldiers come back from Afghanistan and Iraq, and they get uh, a tour to Korea, Camp Casey, let's say. And so now they're coming back with PTSD. They have to leave their family because it's a, it's a non-command command sponsorship tour to go to Korea. Now they're staying in Korea by themselves, suffering from this PTSD, and all the, all the military can give them is, is drugs. All they can give them is a program that doesn't work. Folks, there's 900 programs that are helping the soldiers that are saying, are claiming that can help the soldiers. 900 plus programs. Folks, they don't need another program. They need Jesus Christ. They need the person Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to give them. Uh, one of the other issues there is suicide. At the height of battle in 2012, 279 people died in battle. That same year, 350 people died from suicide. Almost one a day, someone died from suicide in, 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 the, in the military. That's too much. That's not counting the thousands upon thousands that have, have tried to commit suicide. And there's no help for them. There's no place for them to turn. 
I, when I was in the military, I had to pull a suicide watch twice. All that is is babysitting. You're sitting at the door making sure that person's not doing anything and checking on them every 10 minutes. That's not helping them. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, marital, marital issues. I was at Fort Hood, Texas, and got to go to a couple churches out there for deputation early this year in March. There was a woman, I, ta- I talked to some of you during, during uh, Sunday school, so bear with me, some of the stories I'm talking about, some of the things I'm talking about are the same. But uh, it's, it's a situation where this woman came up and talked to the pastor. And I was going to back myself away from the situation, but she, she said, I want you to hear what's going on. This is just this March. She said, my husband just came back from Camp Casey, Korea in December. I got a call last night from a woman he's been having an affair with in Korea. Found out he had multiple affairs with multiple women in Korea. Folks, if he had a church there that he can go to, he may not have done those things. I'm not saying that if we go there, that it's gonna, we're, we're going to be the light and shining armor. We're going to do all this. I'm not saying that. All we're doing is obeying God. When I was in Korea, I told myself, I'm never coming back to this place. Never say that to the Lord. He will make you eat your words. I said this in Sunday school class. If you want to say something like that, say, I'm never going to the Bahamas. Lord, I will never go to the Virgin Islands. You just never know what he'll do. But he, he, he has a way of making you eat your words and make, you, and make a way that you enjoy eating those words. I never thought I'd be eager about going back to Camp Casey, Korea. I never thought that. Soldiers that go there, there's a term in the military called TDY. It's temporary duty assignment is what, it's, what it's, the acronym is for. They changed that in the military to temporary divorce for a year. When I heard that there, my heart sunk. I'm like, are you serious? What are you guys doing? And then you go home and you have marital problems for the rest of your life because of being in Korea for 11 months. It's crazy, but they do over and over and over again. Folks, we want to be able to have, give them the opportunity to have marital, to get marital counseling, get the counseling for sui- substance abuse, suicide, PTSD. We, we are there to reach our soldiers. Uh, I talked to one man. Every time I talk to somebody from the Army, I ask them that. Do you, have, you ever, have you ever been to Camp Casey, Korea? And those that have same, had the same response I had. I hated that place. The military takes you away from your family and puts you in a place that you can't stand being at and tempts you in every way with sin. I don't care who, what kind of man you are. If you don't have a place that's going to help build you up, you're destined to fall. Our, 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 our bodies are that way. We draw, we're drawn to sin. And without a church or without somebody to be able to lift them up and help them keep them going and help, help their families, they're destined to fall. And we're just praying that God can use us when we get to Korea. Uh, one of the other uh, ministries that we want to provide there is an orphanage. I know you don't hear those as much these days. It's more of a, you know, temporary housing or temporary whatever, whatever you want to call it. But they have orphanages there. Sadly enough, there's a lot of soldiers there that go there and fool around and get these women pregnant. And the kids are stuck there. When I was there in 1998 to 99, we had a monsoon come through and knock down one of our walls. It's like a 24 center block wall, 24 foot. <clears throat> Knocked it down. We had to put Constantine wire up, pull guard duty. And I was pulling guard duty one day, and I saw these kids walk by. Now, I hope you can still hear me when I come over here. I'll, I'll talk a little louder. But I saw these kids go by, and these kids were like here. Blonde hair, blue eyed black kids. I mean, the kids you see in the school today in the United States, I saw them walking by. I heard one of the Korean women talking in English, and I asked, is this an American school? She said, no, these are orphans. Folks, imagine you being stuck in the, mil- in the middle of Korea, not your fault, and being ostracized in every way because you're half American. These kids have no hope. 
not outside of Christ. We're praying that God will open an opportunity for us to have an orphanage, possibly an adoption agency program. Uh, we want to reach, like I said, every soul. The Bible tells us to go to the fatherless, doesn't he? The Bible tells us to go to, go to those in prisons and to go to the weak and those, and those that are in need. And that's what we're doing. My wife mentioned this morning in one of the Sunday school classes, a lot of people count missionaries as heroes of the faith. We're really not. We're not. We're just obeying God. God's called us to go to Camp Casey, Korea. God's called you to be here in Eugene, Oregon. But we still have the same mission, reaching souls for the Lord. Guess what? It can happen at Walmart. They deal with my wife. I can't stand Walmart. I go to Walmart with GPS, get in or get out. No messing around. I, can't, I don't like Walmart. I almost, I almost made a, a, a commitment to myself this past week. If they don't help me with this situation, I will go out of my way to never come back to Walmart again. I can't stand Walmart. We go one time, and my wife's like, okay, we have to get a list of groceries. Like, okay, you go that way, I'll go this way. I got my list, you got your list. Ready, bring. We ran. We take, take off. Got my bundle of stuff, and I'm like texting my wife. She's not text, calling me back, texting. I call her, not answering phones. I'm like, come on, we got to get out of here. This is Walmart. <laughs> so, so she's like, she's not answering. So my daughter calls me back, and I'm like, What's, where are you guys at? Mom's leading somebody to Christ. I'm like, how do you argue against that? <laughs> you know, you're just like... Man, do I feel ashamed. What aisle are you guys in? So we all walk over there, and this woman, my wife's leader in the Lord, is right there on aisle 11 in Walmart. It can happen at Walmart. It can happen in a parking lot. It can happen in a grocery store. The question is, are you telling about Jesus? Are you, are you just even handing a tract to somebody and telling them about Jesus? Did you realize that your, your life reflects who you are? You don't even have to hand a tract. They just watch your life. Well, I, was, I, worked three, I worked two different jobs when I was going to school. It felt like three jobs with school when I was going to West Coast Baptist College. I had no time to myself or my family. And I was working at Bank of America. My wife texted me one time. She had a different grocery store. And she said, I, when you go on your break, I need to talk to you. Something amazing just happened. And she, I call her at my break. And she says, this guy that works at the school system in Palmdale, in the public school system, just got saved. I'm thinking, that's great. Praise the Lord. She goes, no, you don't understand. It's because of the reflection of our kids, why he got saved. He was dating a Christian, folks. Why wasn't she a spark in his life? Why, did, why wasn't she making an impact on his life? My kids, he met for 10 minutes and he got saved because, because of their reflection on obeying their mother and being an impact in, the, in this country, in this community, wherever they're at. You don't even have to hand a track out. Just live your life for the Lord. It'll be noticed. But the, the whole thing for that is just to let you know, folks, that, that your job here is the same job I have when I get to Korea. No different. I just have a bigger capacity. I have 6,000 soldiers every year coming in. What a great opportunity to win souls. Imagine 6,000 people moving in and out of this, this community every year, and you knew where they were at. Man, that's like sick them. We'll get them. I'm ready. Let's go. But folks, the, the soldiers there do suffer some serious issues. And the military is not helping them. A lot of people ask, well, what about the, the chaplaincy? I was talking to, uh, I forget, forgot the brother here, but he was a chaplain prior. And we were talking about some of the situations that the chaplain, how, how the chaplaincy has changed. Did you know that a chaplain cannot go to somebody and hand them a track? Handing a track, he can't go there. What's he doing? What is your job then? 
as a Baptist and you're over there and you're trying to win souls, you can't hand out a track. What are you doing? Why are you even a chaplain? You can't even tell them about Jesus. It, it, it's amazing how our chaplains are, our hands are tied. We're going to start a church outside the military compound. I had somebody ask me before, if they give you a building in the, build, in, in, the con, in the military base, will you take it? Absolutely not. Why wouldn't you do that? Because they're going to try to hand, hand, tie my hands and my feet about what I can and cannot preach. Folks, the Bible says to preach the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. You come across something that's offensive, you know what? Bite it. Chew on it. This is what the Bible, the Lord is telling us how we should live our lives. This is our guidance. Not what the government says. Not what the, unless it's a permit. <laughs> uh, not, not, not what man says. This is our guide in life. We're going to be preaching line upon line, precept upon precept. If we, if we come across, and we will come across parts of homosexuality, I'm going to preach hard on homosexuality. I'm not going to pick a fight. That's not why we're going. We're going to give them the word of God. We're going to help them, to help them know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's why we're going to start a church in Korea. Now, some of the outreach, outreach programs we're going to have are for the soldiers, the families, the children. It's interesting, at Camp Casey, Korea, I was telling you, there's no, no command sponsorship. That means the military will not pay for you to take your family. You can decide to take your family and pay out of your pocket. And people do that. But imagine this. You taking your family to Korea, living off the military base on the, on the Korean economy, can't, can't write or speak a lick of, 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 of uh, Korean, and now you have to go to the, to the field for 60 days, 90 days. Well, you feel comfortable now, huh? Your family's back there by themselves, and they don't know where to go. They don't know how to get groceries, what kind of groceries, where to go, what to do. We're going to provide options for them to be able to have a place to go to, a place that they can say, you know what, we need help, and we can provide that for them. The, the military is a unique ministry, but we just can't reach the military folks, folks. We just can't reach the military soldiers. Every soul, God said he died, he died for the whole world. How dare we go to a place like Camp Casey, Korea, and not reach the Koreans? We can't. We have to reach every soul for Christ. It's not for us. It's not. It's not up to us for them to get saved. It's just up, for, up to us to give them the opportunity to get saved. That's what we're doing. Uh, I had some. I, I left the room, room for some questions during the Sunday school. I'm going to do that now. Do we, does anybody have any questions about Korea, about what we're doing, where we're going, anything like that? Anybody have any questions? Yes, sir. Very few, very few. Uh, there, it's, it's happening more and more, uh, but from what I've seen, maybe not even two percent. There's very few families coming there with their families. Now, if there's, if they're married and they're both in the military, they obviously there's times where they bring their families that way. Uh, but as far as the, uh, they're paying out of pocket, a lot of soldiers can't pay out of pocket to bring their families, so they do suffer for that that, that situation. But there's very few. And we will, we will be speaking in uh, Korean there. We'll be learning it. We're kind of learning it now through some different programs. And uh, my daughters already know how to speak it. And they're like, Dad, what is this? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> so they're, they're going to be teaching me Korean. So pray for me as we're learning that. And um, there is an issue there with human trafficking. There's women that come from all the countries around Korea. They get caught up in human trafficking there. And they take their green card and they work at these bars. I can't explain what they do there to try to work off these, these, these visas to get their visas back and green cards. That's, what, that's why there's pregnancy so high. There's so many people trying to get married. There's women trying to get married. And these, these young soldiers that do go there, get married, they come back, and they leave them when they get to the United States. 
Folks, there, there, there is a great need there. And God has called us to go to Camp Casey, Korea, to reach our soldiers, to reach every soul there for the Lord. So pray for us as we're on deputation. We're at 25% right now. And um, we are praying for a lot of churches that said they'll take us, make a decision in January. So praying for them to take us on. Folks, we can't get there without support. And we're asking for every church that we come along with to, 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 to partner with us to go to Korea and reach our soldiers for the Lord. If you can open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Any other questions? Anybody have any other questions? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And while you're turning, I have a question for you. Have you ever felt like you're despised by this world? Like they just look upon you and say, you know what, you're, you're a fool for the Lord. What are you doing? Your family may have even done the same thing. We talked to some, some people today where family members have even turned around and says, you're, you're crazy for doing what you're doing. Why are you doing what you do? If you felt like you're in this, you know, you're just despised by this world, then you're in the right position where God can use you. You're right where God can use you. Look at verse, um, let's see here. Verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. The Bible says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world which, and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. Here's the reason why. Verse 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that as we get into your word, open our hearts, our minds, and realize, the Lord, that you can't use each one of us in this room. Thank you so much for loving us and dying for us, Lord, and providing a way that we can serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you look at verse 20, 26. At the end of it, it says, not many mighty, not many noble, not many, not many noble are called. So if you look at it, why, why isn't God calling like Prince Edward or whatever his name is in England? Why isn't he calling somebody with more stature to say to go do work for the Lord? Don't we think that more work can be done because of their stature, because of who they are? Here's the reason why, folks. Because God doesn't want somebody to go and say, look what I've built. I've built this empire. I've built this church. I've built this. He doesn't want that kind of attitude, that kind of heart. He wants somebody as humble and says, you know what, I don't know how God did it. But God did it, praise the Lord. Amen. I don't know why God would use me, but he has. Praise the Lord. Why, why is God using Donnie Brown? Why is God using the Smiths? Why is God doing what he does with the people that he does? Because he chooses to. And he chooses those people that are humble in heart. To realize, look, I, I can't do this. I can't go back to Korea. I don't, I don't want to go back to Korea. But God has put a, a, a burden in our heart to say, you know what? They need Jesus Christ. If you don't go, nobody else is going. It proves it over and over again. You need to go. How about where you live at? Where you work? How many people have you reached for Christ this past month, this past week, this past year? Christ put you, the Lord put you where you're at right now for that purpose. Not for your paycheck, although it could be good, it could be great. Not for that next promotion, not for, that, not, not for anything else but to reach the lost souls around you. You have to be tactful. I understand that. You just can't go up to somebody during work or working hours and say, yeah, man, so I understand that. But your life can reflect who Jesus is in your life, and they can see that. 
for the foolish. When, the, when God calls the foolish, he makes them wise. It's interesting. When you look at some, some biblical efforts, how about David and Goliath? David was just a young man. All, all of his brothers were gone to war. He's the only one back at home. And David's dad says, okay, bring, take, take lunch to your, to your brothers. So now he's a Pizza Hut delivery guy. <laughs> he's delivering pizza to his brothers, right? He gets there. And he, he shows up. And right as he shows up, Goliath comes out and starts despising God and starts throwing down the Israel saying, you're going to find me fighting. You're a bunch of dogs. He just starts really ridiculing the Israelites. Nobody's stepping up and saying, what are you talking about? Our God delivered us, just like he's going to do now. But David saw it. David's just a kid. He said, what are we doing? Let's go up against this, this giant and kill him and just go. God's on our side. How often do we say that? We say, but we don't prove it in our life. Great is our faithfulness. He has great faithfulness to, to us, but how much faith do we have in him in the things that we ask him to do? How much do we step out in faith to do that? You know the Israelites, when they, when they took the, the ark, before they got to step in, before the water split, they had to step into the water? Do you realize that? They didn't step back with the step over. <laughs> so before, before, they, before the water split, they had to take that step of faith. They took that step. And the water split. When was the last time you took a step of faith? When was the last time God said, I want you to do something that's impossible or foolish to this world? Believe me, when you do something for, this, for the Lord, the world is going to look at you as foolish. The Israelites did. They looked at David and said, what are you doing? Why are you coming over here, David? His own brother said, I know why you came. I know why you did this. You're, just, you're, you're, you're trying to show us up. Why are you doing that, David? David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason why we should fight against this person? I'll do it. Nobody else wants to do it. I'll do it. So what does Saul say? Great. Come do it. Come wear my, wear my, wear my, my, uh, my armor. David couldn't even wear it. He's like, I, I, I need proof of this stuff. And David, if Saul's armor can do it, why didn't he go kill him? And so many people want to take the, take the responsibility, the effort to somebody else and give it to yourself. You need to realize when you do this for the Lord, the Lord should shine, nobody else. Amen. Not even yourself. The Lord should shine. So David, David went and he killed Goliath. Not with a spear, with a stone. Everybody's like, what are you doing? You're foolish. Why are you going after him, David? Why are you doing this? You're a fool for doing this, David. And David said, God's got my back. God's on my side. He's going to take care of him. And you told David, I'm going to chop off your head with your own sword. But David told him, told that to Goliath. And he did. But not because David's all big man and Goliath is just some small. No, it's just the opposite. But he had faith, folks. And faith in this world is going to look foolish in their eyes. How about Gideon? I love, I love the story of Gideon. We've got to realize, folks, when we come to the Word of God, when we come to these stories, and these, these are actual events. This is history that we're reading about. Not just some story. Noah's Ark. I'm going to come to that in just a second. All those stories are not just stories. They're actual events that have happened to show us that our God is great. Yeah. Gideon, he's hiding from the, from the army, from those that are, that are coming after him. He's trying to throw wheat up to get the, 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 the wheat out of the wheat and to get, to get something to eat. And the angel comes to him and says, I value my mighty valiant soldier. And he's like, man, he's like, who are you talking to? I'm hiding. Actually, he's like, well, that's not what he said. He said, why did you leave us? Why did you forsake us? Why, does, why, why did you not help us in any time of need? He said, that's why I'm here for. You're going to lead them. But Gideon's like, okay. I need to watch my mouth. 
then he's like, well, I, I don't know if I can do this. So, so he brings out a meal to the angel, and the angel smokes the meal, and the meal consumes his fire. And then he goes, okay, I see that, that you're, you're, you're true, that you're here, that you want me to do this. But just in case, let me put a couple fleeces out. Remember the fleece? He says, God, if you, make, if you make the fleece wet and everything, or the first time, make everything wet and the fleece dry, uh, I'll, I'll believe you. Aren't you gracious? That, aren't you glad that God is, is, is long-suffering to us? How many times am I like, well, God, if, if you do this, and he does it. Like, oh, man, you did it. He should have said, okay, let's go. Let's get this done. But he said, oh, okay, you did it once. Let's go back the other way. Make the fleece wet and everything dry. And he does. Okay, Lord, I believe you. How many times do we do that, folks? Why can't we just take God at his word? Yeah. And just say, well, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. Whatever age you want me to do it, I'll do it. Young or old, it doesn't matter. God can still use you. God wants to use you. I guarantee you this world's going to look at his foolish. So Gideon, he does it. He says, okay, we're going to go. Let's do this. Get your bazookas, your AK-47. Let's go. Let's go. Whoa. Guys, hold up. You got too many people. <laughs> now, by this time, I'll be like, Lord, didn't you ask me to do this? Right? Is that what we do? You can ask me to do this, Lord. Let me do it my way. I want to get it done my way. Let me go. Let me just let me rent some army, as a matter of fact. No, God said you have too many people. I don't want you. I don't want. If you go to war with this many people, you're going to say, "Look what I did. Look what we did." So he says, "Everybody's scared. Tell them to go home." About thirty-two thousand people, twenty thousand, twenty thousand leave. God says, "Uh, uh, uh. That's too many." Okay, Lord. So he says, take them down to the brook. Whoever drinks the right way, those are, those are who you're taking. 300 men drink the right way. Okay, now let's go to war. All right, let's go. All right, let's go. 300 men. Let's get the big, let's get the tanks. Let's get the big F-16s. Let's get the nukes. Come on. We're going to take them out. God said, now I'm going to tell you we can go to battle. Man. I want to do it my way. All God wants you to do is obey Watch him work. He'll work in ways that you can't even believe. He'll work in ways that just you can't even explain how they work as long as you obey God. So Gideon gets his instructions. He says, okay, I want you to go out. All I want you to do is get a pitcher, like a pitcher of water, a ram's horn, and a torch, a flaming torch. That's all I want you to take. We're going to war, right? We're not serving them water. We're not, we're not serving our enemies, right? We're going to war. We're going to kill them. God says, just listen to me. Split up in thirds, go around this camp, and just do what I say. And they do. He says, when you, when you, hear, my, when my, when you hear my signal, break, your, break your, your, your pitchers, light your torches, and blow your horns. They did. Those thousands upon thousands upon thousands, those as many, many soldiers that they couldn't even count, start killing each other. Can you imagine seeing that? When you got your torch up like this, you're just like, what are they doing down there? Who came and helped us? God came and helped you. When was the last time you let God help you? When was the last time you had enough faith to say, God, I don't know why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. I don't know why I'm 40 years old going to Bible college at 40 years old with a family of four turned out to be six. Why, why would you do it that way, Lord? Because my timing's perfect. His timing is perfect. His will is perfect. Just trust him. You may not understand why things are happening the way they happen, but trust in the Lord. I guarantee you, though, this world will say you're foolish. Look at the Bible again in verse 27, the second part. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. 
the weak things of the world. Our, our, our world, our society, where we live, just doesn't understand how God works. They just don't. They laugh at it. They mock at it. Jesse Ventura, I'm sure you remember some of you guys, some of y'all old time wrestlers used to wrestle, watch him wrestle, I'm sure. But he, he's, he was a, uh, a governor of Minnesota. He says that, you, that, that, that we're weak-minded people that need strength in numbers. That's what he says about Christianity. Sigmund Freud, the renowned psychologist, you know what he said about it? You only believe in a God like that because you need to believe in a God like that. These folks, don't, they don't understand how God works. They understand that God, that God wants to use the weak. He wants to use those that, that are feeble to be able to prove to this world, it's God doing it, not me. God. But the amazing thing is, God wants to use us. He, uses, he wants to use every one of you in this room. Doesn't matter what ailment you have. Doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter any stipulation. Moses said it, didn't he, to God? God, I, I, can't, I can't leave these people out of here. I can't preach. I have a speech impediment. I, something's wrong with my mind. I can't talk in front of people. The guy didn't go up. Oh, you're right. Let me find somebody else. No. You know what he said? Moses, who made your mouth? Who made you? Put your name in there. Who made you? Doesn't matter what element you have, how old you are. Every one of us can serve the Lord through our capacities today if we allow it. Stop putting ourselves in front of God and say, you know what, God, I'm going to back up. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. You want me to write letters to missionaries? I'll write letters to missionaries. You want me to pray for those going out so many? You don't even have to go so many. Pray for them. That they can go to the right door, the right person's ready, that, that, that they, can, they can lead the right people to the Lord. Prayer is powerful. But how often do we depend on it? Only when we're in trouble, right? We need to go to the Lord, folks. We need to realize the Lord wants to use weak people. He used Moses. Every excuse Moses had, God said, no, I don't care. You're still going to do it. You're the man. I don't care if you can speak in front of people or not. You're going. Because people are going to see me through this, not you. Amen. The weak. How about Caleb? How about Caleb? I love the story about Caleb. You don't hear much about him. You know a lot about Joshua. The two, the two, right? The ten were bad, or ten were bad, and two were good. Oh, you get that one mixed up. But the two spies that were good were Joshua and Caleb. Who took over? Who took over after uh, uh, Moses died? Joshua, right? You hear a lot about Joshua. He needs a lot of encouragement, a lot of courage. Come on, Joshua, you can do it. He takes, he takes him into battle and wins after war after war after war. What about Caleb? You don't hear much about him, just little spurts here and there. He's faithful. Man of courage. Man of faithful. Did you realize Joshua and, and Caleb were the only men that walked into the promised land? From that time when they, when they were spies, they're the only men that walked into the promised land. Study it out. The only two men that walked into the promised land, because everybody else doubted. Can you imagine what they're thinking, those other, those other ten men, those leaders? Folks, these weren't just people picked out, okay, you, 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 you are going to be spies. No, these, these 12 tribes picked out the best man they thought would do the job. That was their leader. And they doubted God. 
And each one of Moses and, Je Moses and Joshua, or not Moses and Joshua, Caleb and Joshua, are watching these guys die off and die off and die off. Can you imagine a little, little dialogue that happened? Hey, Caleb, what do you think? We've got one more. He's about to pass away. That's it. Caleb's like, oh, the promised land's coming. He promised it to us. It's coming. I can't wait to get there. So the time comes. How old was Caleb when he, got, when he was able to go into the promised land? Anybody know? Like 85 years old, over 80 years old. Now, folks, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being too funny here, but he didn't do this. He didn't go, okay, I'm here, Lord. Give me my spot. Or in California, they got those little roads. No, that's not what he did. He didn't even go under a walking stick saying, okay, Lord, I'm here. I finally made it. Thank you. No, you know what he said? Give me that mountain. I don't care who's on that mountain. I got God on my side. Give me that mountain. 85 years old. He says, you know why I want that mountain? Because God's on my side. I can do this because God's on my side. We can go to Korea because God's on our side. You can stay here and work where you're working at because God's on your side. But why are we so afraid to do it? Why are we taking that step of faith? Is it because of the world thinking you're foolish or you're weak? Don't worry about what they say. You know why? Because when you get to heaven, you're going to have a crown. You have many jewels on your crown because of the souls that you lead to the Lord. Don't worry about what happens. They're going to get there. You just keep on working for the Lord. doesn't matter how foolish it seems, no matter how weak you seem. You just keep working for the Lord. When God chooses the foolish things, he, makes them, he confounds the wise. When God uses the weak things, he confounds the things that are mighty. I love verse 28. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised have God chosen. When God uses the base and despise, he makes them excel. Now, folks, these base and despise, you need to realize they're not, these aren't just, these are more than just nobodies. When we first got to California, we were to uh, Manteca, we had a, a friend of ours that started a church in Oakland, California. Now, I'm always hearing the stigmatism of Oakland. Don't go to Oakland. They got gangs there. They got this there. Don't go there. This, this, and that. Now, I'm thinking, man, we're going to go. I need a bulletproof vest. Get my cavalry out there. I'm, I'm ready. So we show up, and there's about three people that show up, and this guy walks in. He's homeless. Every bit of it. The smell, everything. He walks through and asks, asks the, the pastor's wife if there's donuts. She said, yes, there's donuts and the coffee in the back. He walks in the back and gets it and walks out. That's a base and despise. This world doesn't even want him. The base and despise. The world, the world can care less if they die. The base and despise. I feel like I fall, I, I fall in this category. You know, you ever heard somebody say, if God can use me, he can use you? And they leave it at that and walk away? Don't you love that? It's like, how? Explain to me how, if God, if God can use you, how in the world can God use me? Explain that. Well, I will. My dad was in the Army for 20 years. He was a drill sergeant for three years. Imagine that. Living with a drill sergeant as a teenager. We had a fun time. <laughs> he did. I didn't. He did. <laughs> but at that time, as a teenager, my dad would take me out fishing, and he would take a case of beer and hand me a beer as a teenager and tell me to drink it. What are you going to say? No? To a drill sergeant? going to throw you off, off the ground. So here I'm drinking with my dad as a teenager. And I learned to say, man, that's so cool. I was like, no, it's not. I just want my dad. I don't want to go out drinking with him. They thought that was the coolest thing ever. 
your hair pretty good. Folks, I should not be here doing what I'm doing right now. I should be an alcoholic somewhere, somewhere stuck. So I'll probably, I'll probably be dead by now. My dad at one time, he said, he said, if you bring drugs in this house and it's not good, I'm going to whoop you. Imagine your dad saying that to you. You're going to do one of two things. Never go to the drugs or you're going to bring the best stuff there. You don't say that to your kids. That's the kind of lifestyle I grew up in. Folks, we've got to realize that there, there's people in this world that need the Lord, even, even if they say they're Christian. So my, my dad, my dad grew, I grew up in that kind of lifestyle. I, should not, I, I really should not be here. By the grace of God, I'm here. I have a friend of mine that I grew up in high school with. He owns about three clubs in Atlanta, Georgia. All he said was just come over. Just be a co-owner. Set, right? By this world? I'll be set. Let me just go. Imagine being caught up in the, in the, in the, in the lifestyle of that lifestyle. I had temptations and temptations in front of me. The Lord guided me through those temptations, folks. If you're in a situation where you don't know what the what decision is to make next, don't make that as a decision unless you ask the Lord. Ask him for guidance. Ask him to protect you. Ask him to protect your kids. But according to statistics and where, where I should I should not be here. I should not be doing what I'm doing. But by the grace of God, I'm here. Amen. So that's what I'm saying. If God can use me, he can use you. I don't know what kind of lifestyle you all have. I don't know what, what kind of background you all have. That doesn't matter. And people say that, that I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of my circumstances. No, you're not. You're a part of your own decision. I got a friend of mine that, that went to Lancaster that his mom raised him. Right now, he's going to be a missionary. Or he's starting a church in Los Angeles. He's on deputation right now. Statistics? He should be in a, in a game somewhere. Don't talk about statistics. God's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm against all statistics. I'm against all odds. Why? Because I control everything. When's the last time you... God says, taste and see that I am good. Try me. When was the last time you tried God? Seriously. When was the last time you said, okay, my Lord, I'm done with everything else. I want to taste and see that you're good. Show me. I guarantee you do that. God's going to open your eyes to some things you've never thought before. He's going to open things you've never saw before. But you have to take that step. God's not going to force you. He's not a forceful guy. He's waiting for his children to come back to him. And he wants to show you over and over again, I love you. I want to give to you. The Bible tells us, talks to us about, you know, how, when your kids ask for a, a, a piece of bread, you give them a stone? When, you, when, you, when they ask for a fish, do you give them a serpent? Do you give them a scorpion? No. And God says, how we being wicked, and we can give, give gifts to our kids, how much more can our Heavenly Father give to us? Amen. We just need to ask Him. We need to seek Him. But when you do, I guarantee you this world is going to look at you as foolish and weak. Two, two uh, Bible characters that I'm going to go through with uh, the base and despise is uh, the woman at the well. I love these two, these two, these two next, these next two characters that, that, that explain the base and despise because there's no name attached. It could be anybody. The woman at the well. Everybody knew who she was. Everybody knew. That's why she went at the highest, hottest time of the day to go get water from the well. So nobody's there to really ridicule her. Oh, there she is. I can't believe she's with that guy now. Who's she with now? She's got like six kids, this and that. We all know somebody like that. 
So she goes to the well. Didn't imagine to meet Jesus there. And guess what? Jesus told his disciples, we must need, I must need to go through Samaria. The disciples were going, let's go! Let's do this! Come on, Samaria, let's go! No. Folks, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. They were more like, really? It's just gas, right? You're getting gas? Driving by? Right? I mean, look at it. The whole context of that. They get to this well, and like, we're hungry. Let's go get some eat. They all eat Jesus. Every one of them. I'm going to go get some food. I'm hungry. Jesus, I'm going to stay here. Okay, see you. They're gone. Right? They leave them. Not one stay back to see what Jesus was going to do. Not one. So they leave, and a woman comes up, and Jesus, they had this dialogue, and she finally realizes, wow, the Messiah, this is the Messiah. She gets saved. And she didn't, she didn't just go, okay, I got saved. Thank you, Lord. Let me get my water. Praise God. No. What did she do? She left her water pot and ran and got the rest of the city. She said, let me tell you something. The Messiah is here. He's here now. He told me about you. You, oh, yeah, you two back there. Yeah, and you, and you, and you, and you. He told me about all of you. A revival broke out because of one woman that everybody based, that was based in the spies in the city. And they said, well, you know what, we're going to go not because you told us, but because you told us, not because of who you are. That's fine. If I go to Camp Casey Korea and somebody says, I'm going to come to church and listen to what your Bible says, but not because of who you are, that's fine. Come on. I'm not going to save you anyway. What this has to say will save you. The whole city comes. Did we get saved? Because of one woman that said, you know what? I'm going to tell people about what Jesus did. The Messiah is here. I'm going to go out and tell them. I don't care if they hate me. The city hated her, folks. They knew who she was. She walks by, they're all whispering. Here she's coming, tell them. The Messiah is here. Jesus is here. Come see Jesus. I don't care if you don't like me or not. Come see Jesus. He's here. The basin despised. What about the maniac at Degera? Jesus comes across the sea, and he's talking to this guy, and, and it's the maniac. Everybody knows who the maniac is. Don't go by the cemetery. He's crazy. He's demon-possessed. You know, people are, are, are possessed today with demons of alcoholism, drugs, sex. There, there's many demons out there right now that people are, are, are facing and have to deal with. But this man was possessed by many demons. Jesus walks up and talks to this demon. Actually, a bunch of demons. He says, what's your name? Legion. That means, that means I, can't really remember, I can't really remember, but there's a lot of demons inside this guy. He's cutting himself. He's got tethers on. He broke the tethers off. He's not like some guy big, bigger than me or whatever. He's a small guy. He's breaking these tethers. He has unusual strength because of these demons that are in him. People are scared to walk by. He's screaming, hollering, cutting himself. He's never going to sleep. He's, he's, he's living in the tomb. And Jesus comes up and talks to him. He says, who are you? He says, we're legion. Now let me ask you something. Hey, go back and read this story. We have to realize that our Lord is very gracious. These demons ask him, don't send us to the abyss, but put us in the swine. I don't know what the abyss is. I don't want to know what the abyss is. If the, the devils are scared of it, I'm scared of it. 
But he said, don't send us to the abyss. Put us in the, in the swine. Jesus had every right to say, no, you're going to the abyss. But he didn't. To the demons, he had mercy on them. Think about it. Having compassion on them, okay, you can go into the swine. And they come out of the land, they go into the swine, the swine jump off a cliff and they die. Is that not compassion? How much more does he have for us? He saved us with his blood. He loves us. He wants the best for us. So this, this, demon, this demon-possessed man becomes, becomes sane. So you imagine the guy walking by, the, you know, the, the, he has to go home this way, right? He's coming home, and he sees this, the, the cemetery. He's like, oh, boy, here, where is he? He's going to jump out and jump on me. He looks back, and he's like, that looks like him. But he's got clothes on. He's talking to somebody. Who's he talking to? This is strange. He's out here screaming all the time, cutting himself up, and he's just, he's in his right mind now. That man asked Jesus, I want to go with you. Let me follow you. Let me be your disciple. I want to go, I want to follow everywhere you go. Jesus didn't go, all right, 13 disciples, let's go. Nope. He said, no. I don't want you to go with me. I want you to stay here. Folks, he's not calling everybody to be missionaries. He's not calling every person in here to go to some remote place, some Korean place, some place in Germany. He's not asking for that. He's just asking you to be faithful for where you're at. So the demon-possessed guy stayed. And guess what he did? Told him about Jesus. Told him about Jesus. That's all he wants from us, folks. He's not asking for some miraculous thing. He's not asking us to build some ark and overcome some crazy odds with a permit. He just wants you to be faithful. Faithful in your giving, faithful in your tithing, faithful in your, in your, in your commitment to the Lord and coming to these services, faithful in helping pastor and being behind pastor and his vision and what he has for this church. He just wants you to be faithful. Simple faith. Stepping out on it. So if you're worried about this, what, what this world is going to say, I guarantee you, you're going to get discouraged. Don't worry about what this world says. They're going to call you weak. They're going to call you foolish. Call you base and despised. You let them keep on calling you whatever you want to call you. But you work with the Lord, let him see things. Let him prove you. Let him prove you. Because God can use every one of you. When I was at West Coast Baptist College, I was going through there, and then we had a major, I can't remember what it was, but somebody came up to me and says, are you one of the instructors? I fell over. I was like, no, my head hurts. I just got out, I just got out of class. My head is killing me. But it doesn't matter how old you are. God, God can use you right where you're at. If God, if God is putting on your heart to, 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 to go somewhere to do something, do it. Come and talk to your pastor. Ask him for guidance. That's what he's here for. He's here to guide you in spiritual things. Would you realize the Bible says that he's a gift to you? He's your gift. Use that gift. Ask him. Ask him for guidance. Direction. He's not going to steer you wrong. God's not going to steer you wrong. It's amazing. My mom and dad, they're, they're saved. My dad stopped drinking, just to let you know. He quit. Easter morning, poured it all out. Everything. Cold turkey. Praise the Lord. My wife and I prayed for seven years for him. Doesn't drink anymore. Doesn't get involved with the drugs. Nothing like that anymore. Praise the Lord. But my mom's sister says, Donnie, I can't, I can't do what you're doing. I said, Mom, if everybody could do what I'm doing, then we'd have missionaries everywhere. 
I said, but mom, I, I, can't, I can't begin to explain to you to, to tell you how God's provided. How I've seen God's hand work because of stepping out on faith. It doesn't take much, folks. Just believe in him. And those of you that are visitors, if you never tr trusted Christ as your Savior, it's the sweetest thing you can ever do. It's the best gift you will ever get in your life. The best gift. Jesus was born, not on Christmas Day. It was more like June and July time frame. The shepherds would not be out there in her freezing cold. But he was born to die for your sins. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate these holidays. He was born to die for you. He already paid that consequence. He already paid that price. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We all deserve to die and go to hell. But he's faithful. He, wants, he, he, he doesn't want any to suffer and go to hell. You look at this world right now and you're going, why isn't God coming back? Man, we're so close. We almost taste the rapture. It's like, man, it's right there. Wars, rumors of wars, crazy weather, all this stuff going on, it's right here. Why isn't he coming? He's long-suffering. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you need to get that settled. You should come up here and ask Pastor about it and say, Lord, you know what? I, I, don't know, I don't know everything about this salvation thing, about what God has done for me, but I want to know. He can show you somebody else can pull you aside, woman for woman, man for man, and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. That needs to be settled first. You cannot be used by God unless you are a child of God. If you're a child of God, stop running from him. He knows where you live. He knows where you live. He loves you more than you can ever know. It's interesting. So many people say, yeah, I'll die for God. Well, why don't you live for him? We're so eager to die for God. Why aren't we so eager to live for him? Show people around us that, that Jesus is real. Not just something that's in a book. <clears throat> so I challenge you if, you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, get that settled today. But folks, God wants to use every one of you. He's eager to use every one of you. This is what God's doing right now. He's like, okay, I don't know if any of your name is John or not, but bear with me, okay? John, I want you to see things you've never seen before. I want you to experience things for me that you have never experienced your entire life I want you to experience things. I want you to have a deeper relationship with me. Step out on faith. Let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what I can do through you. This world's not going to understand. Your family's not going to understand. That doesn't matter. Let God show you. He can use you. Pastor. Well, amen and amen. church and we think, well, that's good for the guy sitting next to me. That's good for all of us. And you say, well, I'm not much. Well, then you miss the message because that's who God's looking for. Amen. You know, when we come to the terms that really God is looking for those who are willing to be used, may God help us to be in the place where God can use us. You say, well, I can't, what, you just, you know, I'm not going to preach the message all over again, but all those examples in the Bible were there recorded and preserved for us Amen. so that God may help us to understand that he is God and we need to be his children. May we serve him faithfully. I wonder if we could just sing, uh, Have Thine Own Way, Lord.
Maybe God has spoke to your heart tonight in some capacity. Uh, you know, the devil's the accuser of the brother, and he wants to convince you that you can't. Rather than understanding that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, uh, how many of you, I mean, all of us, I, I would say that all of us feel pretty puny. I don't know about you, but I feel very puny. And uh, I marvel at God's grace. God's mercy, God's goodness. And when we get out of the way and we stop thinking that it's us that's going to accomplish anything, then God can do an awful lot. And I would encourage you to take this message and, and you go out there and you be the champions that God wants to use today. Uh, we had a situation that took place this week. I think it was last Sunday or the Sunday before. I'm not exactly sure when it was. But, you know, we go out door knocking on Mondays and we, uh, I think it was Pastor Nathan that met somebody at the door, and they showed up for church on Sunday morning. And I don't know if they've ever been back or anything else, but they just came to church and and uh, during one of our Christmas programs. And the next week, they sent a check into this church for $3,000 to help with the building project. You know, God does those things to let us know that it's not about our conniving or our manipulations that's going to build this building. It's going to be about who God is. And we get the privilege of having him write a chapter in our lives to see his power. Let's make sure we're a part of what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Have thine own way. What page number is that, honey? 325. Let's stand together. 325. Maybe tonight as we sing this song, God will continue to work in your life. Have thine own way. with humility tonight thinking of your grace and your mercy your divine enablement that you give to us even that you would love us so much to send your son to be our savior Lord help us to go out now and serve you not in our strength or in our wisdom but in the love of the Lord that we might have a compassion for others and see people come to know you now bless as we go our separate ways and help us to do thy will in Jesus name Amen God bless you. You are dismissed.